Welcome to the Hotel Analyst podcast. Each week, the editorial team from Hotel Analyst come together to discuss three key topics that are bubbling up from the news in recent weeks. Um, we are based in the UK, but we report on the hotel investment marketplace globally. Uh, and joining me around the desk of insight this week, we have uh, publishing director Andrew Sangster, uh, perspectives editor Catherine Dogrell, and me, the uh, web editor Chris Bowne. Now, one of the uh, additional things we do apart from uh, producing uh, daily news and weekly perspectives for our subscribers is we also run events and our Hotel Alternatives event has been a uh, popular point in the calendar for quite a good few investment managers, particularly those seeking alternative niches for the last few years. And we're going to talk about uh, alternatives uh, this week on the podcast, starting with hostels, uh, which look like they're becoming less and less alternative and more and more attractive to mainstream investors. Uh, Catherine, would you like to uh, bring us up to date? Yes, so um, so BlackRock, the latest to pile in, uh, in this case with um, Amistad, who launched in 2013 with a series of hostels, which look down the down the road of the lifestyle hostels. So kind of something we've seen growing up recently with uh, Joe and Joe and Generator, of course, which is the big one. And um, and yes, and they're looking at, at this, a bit of co-working they were talking to me today about. Might want to chuck into the mix, uh, just a little tiny bit, but um, not one of these huge hostels of the old school which is full of beds and um, well it'll be full of beds obviously but <laughs> stacked high with bunk beds um, there'll be part of them will be single rooms and there'll be rooms where they have sort of four to six beds and this kind of thing so the next evolution in hostels um, but yes BlackRock uh, 100 million uh, euro joint venture and they are saying that it'll probably have firepower of about 250 million so oh my goodness if you've got some uh, hostels give these guys a call because they are very very eager to start dominating the sector and it seems very very likely that they will they're looking all over the place London Paris Rome Madrid Lisbon Amsterdam everywhere you could possibly imagine looking to buy freeholds looking to convert any single possible option they can buy can acquire a hostel at they will be taking it so exciting times in hostels and exciting times in institutional interest in hostels because uh, they've now got to the point where they're nice and consistent BlackRock are looking at probably about a five-year hold here we're hearing and uh, you get nice high occupancy um, it's all lots not to enjoy really I think as Chris alluded to uh, in his opening remarks, this acquisition is precisely what we waffle on about um, or have been waffling on about at our Hotel Alternatives events, which has been going for five years now um, and is about to be reincarnated. Watch this space for the next few weeks for some new news on that one um, into a much bigger event. In the meantime, the point is... Um, to explain what has been going on to drive this interest. And I think there's, there's a number of um, factors at play here. Uh, on the consumer side, what we're clearly seeing is it's much more accessible to get into these alternative types of accommodation. The obvious poster child for this is Airbnb, where you're going to see tree houses and caravans and holiday parks, etc., etc., all, all lined up there. But I think the, the more traditional, if you can call them traditional, OTA online travel agent platforms such as Expedia and Booking.com um, they now have certainly in the case of Booking they now have more alternative 
accommodation than they have traditional hotels and so when somebody goes say i'm looking for somewhere to stay in berlin um up will pop a whole range of options most of which um will be non-hotels so i think this is this is a new thing and this has helped uh grow this space quite significantly because consumers can access it that much more easily um alongside that you've got some action on the supply side where investors uh who have seen yields in traditional hotels compress and in fact you know uh, i think we've remarked on this in the past in this podcast um, traditional hotel yields are now below those in the retail sector um, not least because of what's going on in the retail sector, but also because of how much more acceptable hotels are as an asset class to institutional investors. Um, and, and this this low yields has, has um, encouraged investors seeking something a little bit more exciting to move beyond hotels and to look in things adjacent to hotels, be it uh, um, hostels or um, maybe apartment um, service departments, which is what we're going to be looking at, um, I think, in in the in the next story. Um, so you've got all of these drivers here, I think, uh, pushing the interest into so-called hotel alternatives. Um, and it's been quite interesting to watch the whole journey. So when Patron Capital first bought into Generator way back in 2007, everybody was saying, what hostels? What on earth are they doing? Um, and then Invesco came in, a blue chip institutional investor came in in 2014, and it started getting really interesting. Say stay listed on the uh, the junior AIM market in London. Um, we had Covivio um, teaming up with Meininger. Um, to, to go out and um, find properties um, and then we had TPG another private equity investment into ANO at the beginning of 2017 and of course Generator being sold on to Queensgate in that year as well and Joe and Joe being announced by Accor um, and now really I think which really just cements this whole piece we have the world's biggest investment management company BlackRock uh, BlackRock who have more than five trillion euros under management they're entering the space hostels have arrived so let's proceed to our next topic which is another uh, segment or niche within the uh, alternative sector and that is apart hotels Catherine you've been taking a look at the latest expansion plans for some established brands in that sector yes apart hotels have arrived also um, in, in <laughs> particular um, apart hotels Adagio is doubling its portfolio oh this is very exciting all over the place and um, and here in Europe or in the UK even we'll be getting Australia's Quest Apartment Hotels so everyone's coming over here it's all very wonderful and apart hotels are go um, I think where do we who do we hear from most recently oh it's Lock um, bought in a um, former CEO for IHG in Europe as a CEO last year. So all the people from the hotels are coming over and into the apart hotels and delight will no doubt follow. Once again, there's money in them, their hills and money which doesn't need an awful lot of people to run it. It's interesting that you look at the growth of serviced apartments in Europe and you contrast that with what's been going on in Asia. So I guess in Europe, you would see Adagio as the the pioneers really of, of what we'd call apart hotels, serviced apartments. Um, and in in Asia, it, it's well, it's probably the likes of Capital Land, who uh, through Ascot, um, they bought they bought into Citadine in Europe in two thousand and one, buying all of Citadine in two thousand and four. But the Asian venture into it is, they just 
see uh, accommodation as just an, yet another um, real estate asset class. Um, and they've not had this this sort of ooh scary kind of uh, label over accommodation, which European institutional investors have had, and. I think this has meant that we, in Asia we've seen uh, apartments, just apart, service departments, just grow up alongside offices, alongside retail, alongside what they call multifamily, multifamily residential development, and apartment hotels are just one of that you know, in that mix. In Europe, that's been slightly different, but. Now it's all coming together and being part of that. It's going to be interesting to see whether the um, Asian investors now uh, um, use that knowledge they have and that experience they have from having seen um, accommodation as part of their overall portfolios, whether they're going to deploy that in Europe in a big way and um, um, swoop on things um, uh, you know, ahead of um, European investors. Now let's not forget the traditional hotel sector. Uh, we haven't given them up completely. Uh, there's still some action to be had and investors are still buying. Uh, Catherine's had a look over some of the recent deals in across mainland Europe. Indeed, yes. Some people are still holding the faith, thank goodness. And these people are Schroders who are working through one of their vehicles to buy things in Belgium. Belgium's recovered from having some difficult times in the recent past. Um, and now it's back, as Pandox will tell you, of course, because they're still looking very much eagerly at, at um, Belgium. But Schroders, oh yes, have some Radisson Blues, a bit of parking, oh lovely. And, uh, and, and uh, one of them which has seen its aquarium transformed into a chocolate museum which is a renovation that you do not see every day um, though once again anyone who's familiar with the radisson in uh, berlin its giant aquarium might be interested to see it transformed into a chocolate museum or indeed a chocolate fountain if you don't want to have to spend too much money it's probably cheaper to do it that way but uh, yes into belgium they go jobs are good and they seem perfectly happy with their returns so you can expect some more enthusiasm from them of course they um a massive deal last year uh, acquiring algonquin and uh, you really got to kind of build on that once you've started and this is certainly their plan so onwards they go if you've got a hotel it's not got a hostel in it and you might be able to convert it into a chocolate museum give them a call Mm, well, that's a, a great take on the experience economy, a chocolate museum, actually. So alongside, I mean, Belgiums, they have it all, don't they? They've got chips, they've got chocolate, and of course, they've got great beer. Um, what's not to like about Belgium? Indeed. Get them um, in the right order, though, every but, uh, time. <laughs> <laughs> beer. What's beer, chips, yes. chocolate. Yes. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Do it that way around. Yeah, yeah. And the, the, the interesting bit, I think, here is what's the, the change that's happening at institutional investors like Schroeder's. Um, so the, the, they're quite traditional, but they've now gone into very much getting to an. To, to, to acquire an understanding of operational real estate, to understand what's going on inside the building they're owning. And more than just understanding it, they're actually wanting a piece of the action. Um, and when they bought Algonquin um, just over a year ago, actually, it was, it was uh, last May um, 2018, um, they bought Algonquin. So they had just under €2 billion Euros worth of hotel assets, half of which um, are directly run by Algonquin um, and Schroders wanted a piece of this um, and that they 
believe gives them an edge over um, their rivals who are still sort of stuck in sort of negotiating a lease deal or something similar because Schroders can swoop in and say look we can take over this asset we can run this asset and maximize the return through this dedicated and focused unit that we now have and I think it's really interesting and a really exciting period now for the the hotel sector and you know if you look at Schroders real estate investments uh, hotels through Algonquin are approaching 15% of the total, which is which is a touch above the the exposure of um, hotel assets in in most other institutional investors, certainly in their real estate portfolios. So I think it's quite interesting. It's been interesting to see how much this will drive appetite and interest from from others in establishing a similar sort of vehicle as Algonquin. And on that note, and it was from Andrew a slightly antipodean note. <laughs> farewell till next week. Goodbye.